0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Total Dream Life Project. I'm your host, Dr. Thomas Dickert, and I am excited to have you here with me today. Well, we have done it. We've made it to episode 55. So for anyone out there who happens to listen to the Fantasy Footballers, shout out to the Fantasy Footballers, which is my favorite fantasy football podcast, you will appreciate the significance of the number 55. And for the rest of you, it's a nice round number uh gotta love it when we get to the same number twice so that's always a fun time happens every 11 episodes or so won't happen again till 66 and that's you know three three plus months away or almost four months away so we're almost three months away it's early in the morning here in Brooklyn and we had a snow day yesterday so I'm gonna forgive myself for not being the captain of math this morning um but yeah second snow accumulation of the winter. Um, if you would told six-year-old me that that would be something noteworthy, I would have laughed in your face. But here we are at 41-year-old me. It's kind of a big deal. Um, yeah, got some snow yesterday. It wasn't too disruptive. Uh, definitely slowed down the office a little bit. But overall, it was uh, pretty nice snow. It melted pretty quickly. You know, <clears throat> If Brooklyn is relatively clean at the end of the day, it wasn't a bad snow. Uh, In Manhattan, they're very efficient and quick about cleaning off all the sidewalks and things. Here in Brooklyn, we keeps it a little realer. Uh, But yeah, so moving on, we had snow, it was fun, I'm ready for spring. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so what else happened this week? The Chiefs won the Super Bowl, I'm sure everyone saw it. Fun game, Uh, wild ending, you know. The Chiefs seem like they're just going to keep winning Super Bowls, so everybody should buckle up, and let's have some fun with it. Um, Yeah. I also went to North Carolina over the weekend. North Carolina was dope. Uh, Durham is super charming. Uh, Raleigh's cool. Um, This is going to sound funny, because obviously I know what a Crunchwrap Supreme is, but I have never had a Crunchwrap Supreme, and no, I did not eat at Taco Bell, but... My cousin took me to this cute little uh, like food, kind of like food cafe truck area. So it had, you know, different options. And one of the options was this dope Mexican spot that made their own like one pound crunch wrap supreme. And out of curiosity and based on his recommendation, I figured, hey, you're on vacation. Let's try this thing. And it was mind blowing. Um, I'm not going to start going to Taco Bell. No shade on Taco Bell. It's just not my style. But um, yeah, this was pretty good. And, you know, the ingredients are basically the ingredients of a burrito, but, you know, with some tortilla or some tortilla chips in there. Uh, And it's served flat, almost like a pancake or a sandwich. Um, But yeah, so now I'm motivated. I'm going to try and make the healthiest version. Of a Wrap Supreme that I can this weekend. Uh, I'll let you know how it goes. But you know, gonna go back to those Dream Life basics. Gonna get some grass-fed meat, some grass-fed cheese, some local organic veggies, and then try to figure out what the best way to do the chips and the tortilla are. You know, there's a company called Siete that I like that makes grain-free tortilla chips. They're really good. Thinking I might use those, uh, but. You know, maybe find some grain-free tortillas if I can find one that aren't so, um, so, so, so made of so many different ingredients, but also like living in this world where it's okay if my Crunch Wrap Supreme that I make once every six months is not perfect. You know, one of the nice things about football being over is you can have a little bit less sitting down and eating junk food every Sunday while you watch the game can really tighten up the diet, tighten up the approach, but you still want to have some fun in there, because fun's important. It helps helps our health, it helps our play, it helps uh, our whole total dream life. You know, go back and listen to the episode on play, it talks about how important fun is, Um, and there's a lot of fun to be had there. You know, the fun of figuring out the recipe, the fun of making it, the fun of tasting it. Um, You know, just something to do that's not all sitting down in front of a screen, which is ironic because what we're talking about today is going to be in front of a screen for the most part, but we'll get into that more. I also ate at a really dope Laotian restaurant in Raleigh, uh, Bita Manda. My cousin picked that out as well. And if you are ever in Raleigh, highly recommend. Uh, The service was great. The food was great. Laotian food is delicious. You know, obviously you can imagine what kind of the general vibe of the place is if you've had um, Vietnamese food and uh, Thai food and these sorts of things. Um, But Laotian food, yeah, it was dope. Really into it. Um, I think I've said dope like three times already this episode. So we'll play a game. I'm going to see if I can not say dope again, starting now. Uh, And then also, like, I think I just underestimated North Carolina. Like, the Museum of Natural History, I spent some time in there, in North Carolina, and like, it was really well organized, and it was really well curated, and surprisingly robust, and like, a lot of information, and a lot of local information, and it was a lot of fun. Um... You know, and then on Sunday, it was a little bit of a rainy day. So I just went to the airport early, you know, played some video games and chilled out, flew home, watched the Super Bowl. And that was the weekend turned out to be a pretty good weekend. You know, lots of fun. I'm glad I did it again. Like, you know, going on these little adventures and doing things that you don't normally do and getting outside of your comfort zone is how we grow it's how we get to where we want to be so I'm really happy that I did it obviously the closer that the date came to it the more and more things popped up like oh I could be doing this or oh my gosh I have to get this done or what if I you know and at the end of the day it was just like you wanted to do this you said you were going to do it you know it's going to be fun go have fun and I didn't bring my laptop and I didn't you know see how much work i could get done i just unplugged and had fun over the weekend um and it was really cool so i highly recommend you get out there go visit a friend go visit some family go to a city you haven't been to leave your computer behind and have a fun time uh speaking of fun i also finally watched spider-man across the universe or across the spider-verse Uh, I forgot that there was a part three to it. I might have talked a bit about this last week, but I'm still thinking about how great the movie was. You know, like two weeks later, it's still on my mind. Uh, Highly, highly recommend those. And then we are getting real close now that football is done. It's almost time for football. But this football's F-U-T-B-A-L football. Uh, So Major League Soccer starts up soon. Uh, I think they're already in their preseason. New York City Football Club will be back. They've got their new jerseys, their new kits for the season. They finally, after 10 years, are going to have another black jersey. I've seen the pictures. It looks dope. I'm getting mine on Friday. Get in line. Uh, I'll post pictures about it. I'm beyond excited. Um, Major League Soccer is a ton of fun. Um, you know, one of the best things about it is it's soccer. But it's on a U.S. time schedule, so you don't have to wake up at 6 in the morning to watch it. Uh, you know, So highly recommend. It's affordable to go to. It's easy. It's in a lot of cities now. The culture around the clubs are is great. It's a ton of fun. And after the first month or two of the season, the weather starts to get really nice. So stay tuned. Uh, I won't turn this into a New York City Football Club podcast, but I probably will mention it from time to time. So, what am I getting into this week? Still playing the Cult of the Lamb video game. Uh, Really enjoying that. Really nice way to disconnect and unplug and have a little bit of personal time that, you know, is not so just like structured. It's a little time to unwind, a little time to connect. Um, And I'm really having fun. Another thing that I'm really getting into this week is self-care. You know, I have a follow-up with the blood work people, follow-up with the dentist. I don't know if I talked about this, but I went to the dentist um, a week or two ago. And you might be like, oh, why is that noteworthy? But it's been a very long time since I've gone to the dentist. And it feels like a really adult thing to do. And I was probably a few years behind on it. Luckily, I got out of there with a pretty clean bill of health. They were very happy. Like they said, sometimes people that um, are not regularly going to the dentist are super fastidious and super focused on their dental health. That happens to be me. So it was nice to see that all of the work and effort I put into that over the last couple of years paid off. And I'm very excited going forward to have a much healthier relationship with that. Uh, Prioritizing sleep in a major way this week, you know, when life gets busy when life gets hectic it's time to get back to those dream life basics for me it's a very busy time of year so i'm getting back to basics and the foundation of it all is healthy good sleep so that's what i'm focusing on there uh, the partner and i have been re-watching monk which is a very like fun sweet simple little detective show uh, it's entertaining the characters are great it's funny it's not too intense Each episode is pretty much separate from any other episode, so you can pop in at any time, watch an episode, get a few good chuckles. It's like the nice palate cleanser at the end of the day, kind of an emotional support show, Um, easy watching, so that's been a lot of fun. Uh, Yeah, and then what am I thinking about this week? So, lots that I'm chewing on this week. I was talking with my coach yesterday, and we were talking about this concept of like, you know... You start with small, slow, like slow successes. Like success starts slow, but it's contagious. And small successes lead to other successes. And then it kind of amplifies and it snowballs or it spreads like fires. Let's cross metaphors. Let's melt this down. Uh, You know, so those small successes lead to more successes. And you build on that and you build on that. And it's the same way that we build on our health, right? Like, you know, eating healthy for one day is great. Eating healthy for two days is going to be better for you. Eating healthy for two weeks, for two months, it all starts small and builds and builds and builds. You know, when you are changing a habit, when you are quitting something that's bad for you, or bringing something new in, sometimes you have to go cold turkey. Sometimes you have to go step by step by step. Um, you know, and the big success, the lasting success, starts with that slow methodical pace and then it picks up speed and it picks up success so I've been thinking a lot about that Um, I'm really excited my journaling habit is very strong now it's locked in I'm journaling on vacation I'm journaling at the airport I'm journaling in the morning I'm journaling at the office it's finally something I'm doing on a regular basis now I want to add a little something to it I want to start building in that regular exercise habit and I think like I was just saying I'm going to start small with it you know just having like 15 minutes in the morning so journal and then 15 minutes of exercise and then you can do whatever else you want to do um but just having that consistent space that you carve out you kind of keep it sacred and it's like this is the 15 minutes that i do this and then once it's a habit once it's a non-negotiable once it's something that happens automatically then go up to 25 minutes or 45 minutes, figure out whatever it is, or start going to the gym instead of working out in your living room. You can build on things, but you need to have that foundation. And I think that's a major takeaway of the podcast and kind of what we've said for the last 55 weeks. So excited about it. Um, playing around with a new app that I found or a new program that uses AI to help write show notes for the podcast. So basically you upload the recording of whatever it is you're you know, your podcast, your class lecture, your, you know, random musings and that uses AI. It transcribes it. It um takes um like all the um ums and likes and filler words out and gives you like a concise bullet point of what the show was about or it can be used to help AI or use AI to generate like blog posts or newsletters. Um, So it's pretty exciting stuff because it's like having kind of an assistant that's going to help manage the podcast for me. It's like almost having a producer. Uh, But yeah, so that's pretty exciting. But also like AI is exploding. It's everywhere. And like it's not going away. And every week we're getting new information. You know, Google's switched BARD into Gemini and now Gemini is like their whole big ai offering and Neuralinks doing whatever you know prelude to a sci-fi video game about the apocalypse that they're doing and apple vision pro is out and everyone's losing their mind and like the ai is advancing exponentially um i don't think it's going to go away so we're going to have to learn how to work with it but the other thing that's kind of melting my brain is like If these are the versions of AI that we have access to, it means that in the lab right now, the versions of AI that they're working with are probably like gonna completely melt our brains and blow us all away. So, I get the fear, I get the confusion, I get the hesitancy about AI, but it's coming. So, you better start working with it, you better start playing with it and figuring out if there's ways that it can help make your life easier. Um, you know, so. That's something else that's been on my mind. Paradox, or kind of in that same vein, my big focus right now is like, I want to focus as much of my energy on the four or five things that matter the most to me as I can. And I want AI helpers or, you know, programs or systems in place to help handle the other stuff for me. Because I'm, I want to focus on these things um i don't want to just get sucked up into entropy and doing 10,000 things and taking on new hobbies and doing all this uh so i think ai is going to be helpful with that but it's also something you want to approach with some caution figure out how to do it in a way that's healthy so um kind of leads into what we're talking about this week cuz i've been thinking a lot you know a very good friend of mine and a great friend of the podcast uh posted a meme yesterday where it was talking about social media and kids and like i think we all understand that there's no benefit of social media with children uh it makes them unhappy it leads to very negative outcomes it's highly associated with you know suicide risk and uh eating disorders and really comparing yourself to everyone else it's not healthy um you know, and I think we all kind of know that there's tons of documentaries out there that talk about the ills of social media, not just for children, but also for adults. Um, you know, and it gets me thinking about this whole like idea of like our literacy when it comes to digesting information and evaluating the sources of information and really just like figuring out what news is real and what news is valid and. Um, You know, and then also like the art of considering alternative opinions and finding value in what other people think. Like, obviously, we all know how polarized we are as a nation, as a world right now. Um, And sometimes it's good to listen to the other person and sometimes it can be detrimental to listen to the other person. But I think it's always, you know, I think there's also value in considering alternative viewpoints because you don't want to end up in a situation where you're in an echo chamber and you just hear more and more of what you already believe. But, as promised in a previous episode, this also kind of ties in to what I wanted to do this week, which was look into whether there are benefits to people, benefits to children, benefits to adults, when it comes to video games. Welcome to another episode of the Total Dream Life Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Thomas Dickard. I'm a chiropractor, meditation teacher, entrepreneur, and lover of life, and I'm excited to have you join me for this week's episode. All right, and welcome episode 55. Like I said in the intro this week, we're going to be talking a bit about video games. We're going to be looking at, you know, what are the benefits, if any, of video games um are video games different than other types of media are they different than things like social media which is pretty resoundly considered to be negative for everyone involved outside of the advertisers um is it different than watching tv is it different than being outside and playing um yeah are there negative aspects of playing video games and can we mitigate those with the total dream life so here we go all right so I think everyone knows what video games is, Our video games are. You know, video games have been around longer than your host and friendly narrator, uh, myself. I grew up playing video games. I remember playing the original Nintendo. Uh, I remember the Christmas where I got my first Sega Genesis. You know, I remember the Xbox in college. I remember the xbox 360 the xbox series x like this switch i remember driving to georgia from pennsylvania riding not driving in the back seat of the parents' station wagon in like a pile of sleeping bags and blankets burning through double-a batteries on my sega game gear um playing a Power Rangers game for the whole drive, and it's like a 15-hour drive to Georgia from Pennsylvania. it was probably from New Jersey at that point, because at that age we were living in New Jersey. And just playing this Power Rangers video game the whole time, and the trip just flew by, you know, and beating the game. I remember, uh, I know that every classroom has a computer now, but when I was younger, when I was in elementary school, it was a big deal that each classroom had a computer. Not that every student had a computer, but that we had a computer, you know. And obviously, we were all, we all remember playing uh, Oregon Trail, and then before that, I also remember this like Godzilla game that I would play. Um, I remember playing video games with friends growing up. It being a great way for us to work together, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. So we're talking about video games. We're talking about how they can be a part of a healthy life, Um, talking about some of the benefits. We're also going to talk about some of the risks. So we're going to explore the unexpected benefits of video games for physical and mental well-being. And also we'll talk about some of the downfalls and if there's ways to get around it. So obviously there are some negative stereotypes surrounding video games. I think a lot of those negative stereotypes go back to older generations of video games where people were disconnected from reality alone in a dark room playing for hours on end there's associations with video game addiction um there's we've all heard people talk about whether or not violent video games lead to violence in the real world we're talking about isolation uh repetitive use injuries these are all things that are either real or um associated with video gaming um you know, And really what the negative stereotypes surrounding video games are, they are real problems for video game addiction. So let's define addiction real quick. Addiction is, according to good old Merriam-Webster, not going to get too uh, bachelor party, or not bachelor party, groomsman speech on you. But according to Merriam-Webster, addiction is defined as exhibiting a compulsive, chronic, psychological, or physiological need for a habit-forming, substance, behavior, or activity. So yes, that can very much apply to gaming. Uh, What is compulsion? What's compulsive? What's compulsion mean? Compulsion is of or relating to, caused by, or suggestive of, psychological compulsion or obsession. Um, So addiction is a negative thing. It doesn't have to be that the thing that you're addicted to is a good thing or a bad thing. You can be addicted to a quote unquote bad thing, or you can be addicted to a quote unquote good and healthy thing. Uh, Just as easily as you can be addicted to cigarettes or addicted to alcohol, you can be addicted to sex and you can be addicted to exercise. Um, You know, addiction is really more about the compulsion and the obsession and the chronicity Um, and taking things to extreme. So too much of a good thing becomes too much when it's compulsive. And video game addiction is too much of a thing that can be positive in our lives. So the fact that something has the capacity for you to be addicted to it does not ultimately mean that the thing that you're addicted to is negative in all situations. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to kind of touch on that because obviously you can become addicted to gaming just like you can become addicted to pretty much everything else in the world. Um, And it doesn't necessarily just mean because something has the capacity for you to be addicted to it that it's always a negative. Um, I also want to talk a bit about repetitive use injuries because we mentioned those before. So repetitive use injuries are injuries that happen from repetition. Uh, you know, so these can be things like, uh, gamer's thumb, which is De Quervain's uh, which has a fun and very painful test you can do. Hold your arms out to the side. Like you're making a big T, take your thumb, bend it towards your palm, wrap your fingers around it, tilt your hands down at the wrist joint. And let me know how painful that is. If it's not painful, then you can even extend your arms a bit behind you. For a lot of people, that's gonna be a very painful motion. I bet a lot of people that work on the computer or a lot of people that work or do a lot of gaming, that's what a gamer's thumb feels like. Uh, Carpal tunnel syndrome, which we're all familiar with from office work, from lots of typing, from being on the computer all the time. Uh, Tennis elbow, which is an elbow, repetitive use injury. Uh, These are all things that can be associated with gaming. There are also things that can be associated with working. There are things that can be associated with sports like tennis and golf and weightlifting. Um, you know, there are also things that we're seeing less and less of as technology and ergonomics improve. But again, kind of like the addiction bit, repetitive use injuries are definitely a real concern if you're playing games excessively and all the time. But just because you have the potential for injury doing something doesn't mean that you should never do it because you definitely have a potential for uh for cts for carpal tunnel syndrome from office work so it doesn't necessarily mean that people shouldn't work it means that people have to be smart about their biomechanics and when they're doing it um you know same thing with tennis and golf you can get repetitive use injuries from those it doesn't mean you should never do those those things bring a lot of joy to people um so Again, we're just kind of clearing these things up. But the repetitive use injuries are also one of the things that we're seeing less and less of as technology improves. So I'm sure we'll find new ways and new problems as technology improves. But it's said pretty often that our generation is going to be one of the last ones to really suffer from carpal tunnel syndrome, uh, gamer's thumb, and things like that as technology, video games, computers become more immersive. Things like the Apple Vision Pro, Uh, where you're interacting with your eyes and your gestures, may get rid of uh, carpal tunnel syndrome as a problem, but it may bring new problems, you know. Uh, Another problem that's often associated with gaming, that's also associated with computer use and phone use, is eye strain. Um, So we want to find ways that we can mitigate these, um, you know, and we'll talk more about that as we get through. But the main thing, moderation and variety. You know, when it comes to technology... If you're spending too much time doing something, you're going to lead to negative outcomes. So you want to have limits, just like other types of gaming, like gambling, you know, or how much you're golfing or how much you're playing tennis. You have to have some moderation in here. You want to have stretching. You want to have exercises. You want to have ice and rest, um, you know, and you want to deal with these things before they become long-term chronic problems. Um, Obesity is another one, another negative associated with gaming Partly because when people are playing video games, they tend to be snacking. Uh, but, again, this is a problem that if we address the root cause, which is understanding nutrition, then we can help improve that situation pretty effectively, right? Um, eye strain is another one. We're going to have eye strain when we're staring at screens or TVs or monitors for extended period of time. And there's things we can do to help with the eye strain, things like blue light blocking glasses. But, again, the biggest one is going to be to have healthy limits, on what you're doing, healthy limits on how much you're gaming. Um, a great kind of rule for when you're gaming or when you're doing computer work or when you're reading even is the 20-20-20 rule. Uh, so every 20 minutes, you wanna look at something that's at least 20 feet away for at least 20 seconds. And that way you're using different muscles, different parts of your eye to focus on something different instead of just staring at one thing at a fixed dif- distance. Um, you know. Excessive gaming is also associated with poor sleep habits, but this comes back to having limits and also teaching healthy sleep habits in general. You know, go back and listen to the sleep episode because just like your phone, just like your TV, just like podcasts or books or whatever it may be, things can interrupt your sleep if you're doing them too much or if you become obsessive with them. So, I wanted to get some of these stereotypes out of the way to begin with and some of these negative potential things out of the way to begin with because, like I said, just like many other areas of our life, a lot of this stuff can be mitigated with better habits, with better control, um, and things like that. So obviously the next thing you're going to say is, well, you try teaching better habits to a four-year-old, or you try teaching better habits to a 12-year-old. And I will be the first one to admit that I can see how this would be a challenge. And if it's a challenge for you, or it's a challenge for your kiddo, um, or you don't have the time, or you're doing a million things, I get it and I sympathize. And there's nothing wrong with saying, at this age, the kid can't play video games. Or at this age, we don't have time for that in our life. Or there's just so much going on that I don't think video games can be a healthy part of a person's life. There's a lot of research that suggests or at least correlates with benefits to video gaming, and obviously there's benefits to impulse control for children. There's plenty of studies where, you know, the longer the kid can wait to have the Oreo or the snack or whatever it is, the better their impulse control is when they're adults and things like that. So even though there's potential benefits and it might be difficult along the way, If you have the privilege of time and you have the energy and you have the ability and the kid has the ability to process it, you know, this can be a really cool opportunity to teach them limits, to teach them uh, ways to mitigate the downside. And it can also be really cool for adults. One of the fun things I learned when I was researching this episode is that only about 20% of gamers are under 18 years old. The majority by far of gamers are adults. So really everything we're talking about is going to have correlations with most of the people that listen to this podcast and not just because many of you have children, Um, but I get it. Like this isn't meant to stress you out and it's not meant to um, say you're a bad parent or say you're not able to do things like everyone's situation is different. We're just going to talk about some of the things in a way that shows us some of the benefits uh, and take what you want from it. All right. So. Brain power boosting. So, video games can enhance cognitive function. Uh, they can. They've been shown to be associated with improved problem solving, better critical thinking. Um, they've done studies where they find enhanced memory, better attention, which is mind blowing because everyone says, "Oh, they're playing video games; they can't focus on things." It turns out, actually, um, when they do the studies with at least specific genres of video games, are actually shown to improve. A kids attention improve adults attention and then spatial reasoning uh, so the memory the attention the spatial reasoning that tends to happen with people when they're playing like the shooter games where they're in a big environment like Fortnite or GoldenEye or halo and you have a big environment to process you need to remember where things are you need to be able to picture things in your mind and you need to be able to plan um how you want to interact with the other players, but also react to the unpredictable nature of other players uh, and that quick decision-making that's necessary. So they've done studies on these first-person shooters that show these enhanced memory, attention, and spatial reasoning, um, and they actually show that the benefits last over an extended period of time and affect their, um, those same qualities in them as adults. Uh, it also shows benefits in neural processing and the efficiency of your neural processing. What they find with people that are gamers is that, you know, we talk about this idea of multitasking and how multitasking is not real, right? Um, But with practice, you can actually grow the skill of switching what you're focusing on. And video games is a great way to do that um, because it requires you to consider a lot of things at the same time while you're problem solving, while you're doing other things. So we don't recommend multitasking for most things. But gaming has actually been shown to make you more efficient when you're doing multiple things at once. And video gaming, just like learning, is actually shown to grow the gray matter in your brain, uh, which gives you a better allocation of processing resources. So if you imagine a computer um, and you have your... Uh, memory in the computer and it allows how many different operations can be going at once and how effectively those operations are running. Video gaming is shown to do that with your brain just like other forms of learning. Uh, most studies show these from specific games like shooters uh, because of the environments that we talked about. Um, so there's also benefits to problem solving, memory, and analytical, ana- blah, analytical skills when you're doing role-playing games. Uh, but obviously most of these things. There's some research that points to it and suggests it, and they're seeing correlations. More research needs to be done, but one of the benefits is as video video games grow and mature and become more, com- more complex and more intricate, um, they can actually make video games that are tailored more towards training and learning these things. So there's a huge potential here, and we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Um, but we also need more research on video games and how they affect people. But they've also been associated with enhance creativity, and that can be regardless of the video game type. Um, and again, the problem solving. Um, I remember, well, we'll talk more about social connection in a second. So, you know, different types of games can help grow different parts of your brain, just like different equipment at the gym is going to help grow different parts of your body, right? Um, so social connected connection and community is really big in the video game world. Um, gaming tech and online communities have really... Improve the opportunity for connection between individuals. Uh, today's gamers are not sitting at home playing Nintendo 64 cut off from the world in their bedroom alone. Um, you know, Today's gamers are playing with gamers around the world, often having conversations and interactions and actually making connections in the offline world or at least in other forums. So there's real friendships and real relationships that are being formed in these video game worlds. Uh, so it is not you know, just you by yourself not being social. It gives you the opportunity to meet other people that have similar interests that you want to have fun with. Um, It gives you the benefit of communicating in real time as opposed to just sending text back and forth while you're doom scrolling through your social media app. It gives you a variety of social opportunities with different types of games. There's games where you compete. There's games where you work together. There's games where you're on teams. There's games that, You know, where you can be different people, you can explore different parts of your personality, different aspects of who you are um, and how you identify. And a lot of video games are very inclusive and open areas where people get to learn about different people from different parts of the world. Sometimes kids are growing up in one specific culture that is not open to certain aspects of how they see themselves. And they can meet other aspects and other communities around the world and learn more and learn different perspectives and learn meet different people. Um, A lot of potential there. So being together virtually, it sounds strange to people that are older like myself uh, and some of you. But like being together in a virtual world is not the same as being together in a chat room on AOL. Like these people are creating avatars and interacting and having whole lives uh you know on the internet but you know i think one of the reasons it sounds strange to people of a certain age is that it's novel to us it's new but these kids grew up in it these kids are digital natives and a lot of young people today are digital natives who grew up with it you know this is why i always say like i feel like writing on my remarkable tablet gives me the same benefits as writing on a piece of paper like you know, I think that people will argue with that, but at the end of the day, like once you are native to a technology, your brain works differently than those who found it later in life. Um, there is a huge rise in esports and gaming communities. I think some whoever I, hundreds of millions of dollars are going out to people in Fortnite competitions. So, if your argument for letting your child play football, American football, uh is that oh they it's great social connection it teaches them a culture there's an opportunity for them to grow up and make a living doing it you could also say all those things about video games right now um and you could argue that uh cte from from chronic long-term head injuries is going to be much more detrimental to someone than gamers thumb down the line uh so the point is not one's better than the other. The point is not like this is right, you're wrong. The point is that like this is a multifaceted kind of thing, uh, with a lot of really cool intricacies and ins and outs. You know, obviously going back to like the online worlds and the gaming worlds, like obviously there's dangers of not knowing who the other people in the room are. But like that's something we grow as a society, and that's something that's not going away. There's always going to be uh, people that take advantage of situations for the negative um so really like rather than shutting down the whole idea we need to figure out how to make these ways safe and um beneficial and supportive and helping to maximize the benefits of them and minimize some of the negatives um you know mental mental well-being like so one of the things that happens right is kids often decide who they are and what their skills are and beliefs about themselves their intelligence and their abilities at a very young age. So video games do this really cool thing where they help them figure out, you know, their problem-solving skills. They help them be more creative. They help them cooperate and have cooperation skills um, during video games, and those can lay the foundation for the rest of their life. You know, one of the things that happens is like. In video games, you fail all the time, but failure, even though in the short term, it might be frustrating because you're trying to beat this level of Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, but eventually you figure out how to do it. You try different approaches, you try different techniques, you learn to ask for help, or you look up, you know, you're playing Zelda and you're looking up the guide to see what you do next. So you figure out how to do research, you figure out how to get more creative. I remember being young, we would play this video game called Contra and it was on Nintendo and it was so hard Um, and you needed to be, you need to have fast reaction times and coordination and like all these things and my friend and I would work together, you know, and he was maybe a little more coordinated and a little more athletic so he was better at controlling the game and together we would talk out like, oh, how do we approach this and we'd work together to solve what would have been a one person video game. And that impact, that working together and that learning how to be part of a team has affected my the rest of my life exponentially. Um, obviously, we want to have moderation and variety in these activities. If you're playing the same game 24 hours a day, you're going to run into all of these problems. But if you're trying different games, you're trying different scenarios, you're trying different ways to play, uh, that's going to be the most beneficial. Just like if we're trying different exercises and varying our diet and, you know, doing these things in real life it's going to help us be healthier Uh, there's also this thing that happens when you're playing video games and it's called the incremental theory of intelligence right so it's a theory of intelligence that your intelligence is malleable and that it can be changed and affected and improved over time it's the same idea as the dream life like we can grow ourselves we can improve we can get better um so when kids develop that through video games it can really have an effect on the rest of their life. You know, persistence in the face of failure is a really big benefit of trying and trying and trying to beat a level in a video game. It also teaches you that failure does not need to lead to anger and frustration or sadness in the long term. You know, it teaches you that failure means you need to change your approach or try something different or get better practice a skill. You know, if you're not winning Mario Kart, you get, you don't, you don't throw the switch out the window and never play video games again, you practice the course until you're better at it. Um, Coincidentally, I read something that Mario Kart, like, you know, they surveyed all video games ever and Mario Kart was found to be the most distressing video game for people. Uh, And I think that's pretty funny because we all, almost everyone knows Mario Kart and has played Mario Kart. Uh, And we all know the frustration that comes with Mario Kart, but we also know the community that comes with Mario Kart. Um, And I think it's, At least an interesting thing to contemplate. Uh, It also cultivates persistence. Um, It can cultivate an optimistic motivation style. You know, again, oh, this didn't work out. What else can I do? Who can help me? How can I learn? So video games can also be used for stress relief, relaxation, short puzzle games like things like Angry Birds and Candy Crush and these things you see people playing on their phone. Have actually been shown to improve people's moods promote relaxation and help them manage the anxiety and typically if you're on the subway in new york city there's at least 50 percent of the people that are playing these games and if you look at it from that perspective they're playing those games to deal with the stress of living in a big city of working too much of being under and underslept so i don't think that i'm saying that everyone needs to play these games to be healthy But these games have definitely been shown to help people manage unhealthy situations. Uh, One of the things that happens is video gamers often report getting into flow state. I don't think we've talked much about flow state, so maybe that's a future podcast. Someone remind me about that, please. Um, But yeah, flow state is this, this moment where everything's going right, and you're dialed in, and you're focused, and you're handling things quickly. And it can be really helpful in business. It can be really helpful in life. And it's something you can learn and promote through video gaming. And it also teaches kids to take pride in their accomplishment, you know, to achieve goals um, and to work on growing themselves. So there's also a huge potential for therapeutic games, uh, you know, helping kiddos that have autism or different processing or different communication challenges. Video games has been shown to be a really um exciting way to help them communicate better and help them be more social and interact with other people and anyone who knows any of these kiddos or has worked with these kiddos knows that like anything you can do to help make their life better is going to be something you're going to be fighting to get to and these gaming communities give a lot of them an opportunity to get out there and learn kind of the game of being social in the real world or at least improve it Um, physical activity is one that traditionally oh video gamers just sit there and don't do anything well we're entering the world of video games being a very physical activity they have exercise programs in vr they have moving around they're doing different i think we all remember let's see i'd say chiropractic college was around the time of the Wii fit and the different Wii games where you're bowling and you're dancing and you're jumping dance dance revolution uh totally physical activity through a video game um I remember in undergrad, I won an award for video editing for a dance for a news story I did or edited about dance dance revolution. you know the more you get into these different cultures and these different subcultures and these different communities, you start to see that video gaming can actually be a physical activity as well and a lot of times we're gamifying um, workouts and things like that. you know the rowing machine I don't remember which I don't remember what it's called. It's the one that's made out of wood with the big water tank. Um, They have one that comes with a screen and all of your workouts are video games. So you can really improve physical activity through video games and it can also be another opportunity for social interaction. Again, and I think I've said this 16 times already, but you got to find balance. You got to have variety. You have to really work with young people to teach them these and teach them the benefits of these having time limits um, engaging in other activities sometimes what they find is people that play you know Tiger Woods Golf or Madden or FIFA you know it sparks a passion for the real world activity so a lot of times these people start by playing Tiger I know plenty of folk that in undergrad we were playing Tiger Woods EA Golf compulsively the majority of them now play golf in real life um you know so it's a it's another gateway to real world activities but you have to foster that and nurture it um you know again time limits time limits healthy behaviors using it as a reward for doing other things um you know a very easy one can't play video games until you've done your workout that's going to change a lot of lives right there Um, and you want to be involved in your kid's gaming experience. You want to make sure the games are appropriate. You want to make sure the communities are appropriate, but it's also a great way to interact with your child. I know plenty of people who, you know, as their kids grew up, played video games with their kids, you know. Um, Just like Taylor Swift just turned millions of young people onto football for the first time, and you're seeing all of these tweets from... 40 50 year old guys who are like, Hey, um, my daughter, my 12 year old daughter, my 10 year old kid is what my 10 year old son, my 10 year old kid, my they're watching the Super Bowl with me because Taylor Swift made it cool. And now we're sending memes about football and we have this new connection. Um, you know, you can get that with video games and playing video games together. I remember playing you know, Dr. Mario with my dad. I remember playing Spider-Man with my young cousin. You know, it's a way to interact with people in a healthy, fun way, even though you're in different age brackets or different, um, parts of your life. So it can be a lot of fun. Um, and it can be a lot of community. Um, again, this is very different from social media, social media, bad, 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 pretty much across the board. It's bad for adults. It's very bad for children. Um, we'll get into social media someday but that's going to be like i got to do a lot of research this was a lot of research but i got to do some serious research Um, i'm also looking at the time it is not every episode that i come we're coming close to interview length right now so let me see if there's anything else so gaming has a lot of benefits it has a lot of potential for negatives but everything has a lot of potential from negatives you know Sex has the potential for negatives. Exercise has the potential for negatives. Uh, Eating has the potential for negatives. And all three of those things have the potential for being some of the most beautiful parts of your life. Uh, So video gaming doesn't need to be your main focus, uh, but it could be, you know. Um, But you want to make sure you're doing it in a healthy way you want to make sure you're doing it in a productive way in a pro-social way in a way where you're not destroying your body where you're making healthy connections uh and where you're really making it part of your rich robust total dream life um so yeah i think there's a benefit in there i think there's room for you to use it Uh, And I think that there's more depth to the conversation than how we maybe talked about it in the 90s and early 2000s. So something to consider. I feel like I might get some feedback on this episode. So feel free to let me know what you thought about it. Let me know if you found it useful. Let me know these 17 things you hated that I said and why I'm a dum-dum. Let me have it. Reach out to me on social. Reach out to me um, through email or if you have the luxury of my phone number, feel free to get to get at me. Um, I feel pretty confident that this is a worthwhile thing for us to have talked about. I hope you found some benefits from it. I hope it made you think about some things or maybe encouraged you to try something a little different or to look deeper into it and figure out why I'm a moron. Uh, whatever you want. I love and appreciate you. Get out there this week. Get uncomfortable. Be kind to yourself and kind to others. Love you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please remember to share this podcast with your friends and family. Subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me on social at Moby Dickert and learn more about me and the podcast at thomasdickert.com.